Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Wow, this has just been such a good meeting for me. You know, I, I pretty, you know, God is good to me anyway, but I mean, just, just this meeting's been sweet, really sweet. And thank you all for coming. I've seen a lot of you this week, almost every service, I think. <laughs> That's wonderful, isn't it? Praise God. I'm going to talk to you tonight a little bit about angels. I got a couple things that's incredibly important to talk to you about that so that we make sure we got that revealed and taught to you. And that is two different things. First of all, our authority. If you don't know you have authority, you won't do anything. That's true just human beings in general. People don't know they have authority, they won't do anything. But I've observed that in the body of Christ for a lot of years and sometimes, you know, people just don't believe what the Bible says. So I'm gonna share with you what I've learned a little bit about having authority in the realm of the spirit. Are you listening? Amen. And if you don't, and that's why when I wrote my book on demons, I put authority of the believer in there, one of the chapters. When I wrote the book on angels, I put authority of the believer, one of my chapters. Because I know if people don't know they have authority, they won't do anything with it. If you're waiting on God to do something, you're way behind. He's already done all he's doing to do. As far as scriptures, and all I'm gonna teach is out of there anyway. So it's up to us to get a hold of this. So first of all, let's go over to Hebrews chapter one. And let's look a little bit, we're gonna talk about angels again, but two specific things I wanna to talk to you about is our authority with angels, number one, and number two, how to release them. And I can tell you just a real quick answer, it's gonna be through your words. The angels that work with you, it's through your words, not my words. I'm only responsible to, you know, in my personal life to believe what he's given me in the angelic realm. and. Uh, and release them to function with me, to do what I ask them to do according to the word. And I told you already two or three times now, Psalm 91 is one of the most potent chapters in the Bible on angelic help. It's not the only scripture, but it's just filled with that. So we need to get a revelation of that. Let's look here at first of all, Hebrews chapter one, verse 13 and 14. And I don't know if you realize this, but the book of Hebrews itself is a it's like looking back on what they had in the old covenant, but then comparing it to the new covenant. So Jesus here is talking about Jesus and angels all through chapter one and part of chapter two. So we get to verse 13 and it says, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He didn't say that to the angels. He's trying to compare something here for us. He said that to Jesus. And because he said it to Jesus, he said it to me and you because we're in Christ. Always think of yourself of being in Christ. And you gotta identify yourself in the scriptures. And you know, if you go to the Old Testament, you're not gonna find that. Even if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, very minimal what Jesus said about this, because he was still walking in the Old Covenant. Jesus was, you know, he had to shed his blood and die, go to hell and pay the price, raise from the dead, put his blood in the heavenly holy of holies to qualify for a new covenant with his blood. Well, his blood was in his body when he was here, so he's still under the old covenant. But he had to die to be our substitute yes. and put us into a new covenant that is exceedingly better yes. than the old covenant. Yes. I mean, I, I, I love preachers, but some of them get stuck back in Leviticus and I just have to leave them. 
I'm not an Old Testament priest. I'm in the royal priesthood. And Jesus is the high priest. And he's lifted us up to sit with him. There's no such thing as being a sub-heir. I don't even think the body realizes they're a sub-heir. They're not. They're a joint heir. But you've got to get there and start thinking like that. I have authority that Jesus has. He gave it to me. So let me read verse 14. He's referring to the angels in the comment in verse 13. the reason I read that. Are they, referring back to the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? I like to say it this way. All the angels have a job description. Some of the angels that I know personally that work with me, one of them does one thing and that's all he ever does. Heals people of lung problems. Respiratory problems. Cancer of the lungs, COPD, asthma, that kind of thing. But he doesn't do other parts of the body. He didn't do, then I have two other angels that help me in the healing ministry. And I've got several others that help me in the healing ministry. But these two came to my house and visited me after a vision I had in 2008. And said, we're, we're, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, they wanted did to speak. He said, well, we're here to talk to you about our part with you. I said, well, say on. He said, we come, we're going to help you in your ministry of healing, in healing lines or wherever you pray for people. And we're going to restore and repair people's bodies. And I've had an increase of that since that visitation in 2008. Just talking to you. But they didn't put a limitation on it. They didn't say we're only going to do eyes, not spines. Or we're only going to do this and not the other. No, they just said it that way. So I just took them at their word. And I released them to work with me. All right. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now that's 2,000 years ago. I don't think we're hurting the scripture by doing this if you follow me carefully here. But it says, they, the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? So they all have a ministry. You know, the fivefold ministry is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Then there's a ministry of helps. Then there's a ministry of giving that gets people way out there. And there's some other ministries, but the, you know what I'm saying? Everybody doesn't do the same thing, but everybody has a job description. I don't think God ever saves anybody just to come to church and sit and get up and never change. I think that's nonsense. God's smarter than that. I even know that, and I'm not as smart as him yet. So we would read it this way. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those of us who are the heirs of salvation? I'm not trying to be. I am. When I got in Christ, I became an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. All right, so... We're just looking to submit it here. Uh, we said this before, and we'll just repeat a couple of things here. In verse 14, the Weymouth translation calls the angels a benefit to us. So if you're doing without them, what I mean by that is, are you sending them out to do anything that you could actually know that they fulfilled what you said to them? Because if you don't, you're just kidding yourself. You're not doing anything with them. <laughs> this is an amazing thing I've thought about. No angelic being has ever said, I'm not going to do that, Michael. Never. He just did what I told him to do. 100%. That, that's, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. Oh, my gosh, people will get reared up about stupid stuff. I know none of you would because you're all just way beyond that, I'm sure. Okay. But anyway, it's an interesting subject. And there's over 300 scriptures in your Bible, in your Bible, on angels. Over 300. Now, I've been preaching since, this will be my, I'm in my 45th year come uh, August. I'll be in my 46th year of full-time ministry. 
I don't remember hardly any subjects that I've studied that had at least 300 references. Maybe money, I think, has more than that. I read somewhere it was 2,000 on money. But I don't just hammer people for money. I believe God, and I sow, I'm a big sower. I just take care of this part of my life, sowing, giving, and seeding. And then he takes care I receive and harvest. Okay. Hallelujah. But what I'm saying is that's a massive amount of scriptures. I don't even know if you find 300 scriptures on the subject of faith. And I think faith is critical. You don't get anything if you don't have faith. So we're talking about angels tonight. I'm saying to Weymouth there about benefits. That's so important. Real Angels are a benefit to my life. I need to figure out what they do and how to, how to send them forth and how to minister and release them to go minister for me. And I showed you Psalm 91 is an excellent, excellent chapter. Though it is Old Covenant, I know that, but I, heard, I just read something recently. Brother Hagin said the same thing. I didn't know he said that. But you know, good minds think alike. <laughs> I'll just say that. All right. And then we found out from the Amphine Bible, which I told you, I had to take Greek in seminary, not trying to impress you. I'm not a Rick Renner. He's a, he's a scholar when it comes to Greek. He can take one Greek word and write 20 pages on it. I could just maybe interpret it if I looked it up. And I do sometimes. I used to do that a lot. But I found an Amplified Bible. I bought an Amplified Bible back in the 70s. And I, would, I started going to that just to check what the Amplified said, comparing it to the Greek New Testament. Because the New Testament was written in Greek. And, or Aramaic, but anyway, it's just Greek, basically. And every time I went to my Amplified Bible and looked up in the Greek New Testament, it was almost verbatim what the Greek said. So I just quit going to all that extra trouble and get my Amplified Bible and look it up there and see what he said about it. Actually, it was a lady that did that, the Amplified Bible Classic. And now they've got six or seven Amplified. I don't know what's the matter with humanity. They never get still. They just want to produce, produce, produce. But they Amplified in a different Amplified version other than the Classic says different things that I don't often think is as helpful as the Amplified Classic was and is. Thank you so much. So the Amplified Bible, verse 14, says these angels are an assistance to us. I don't know about you. I don't know how you think this. How I think I want all the help I can get. I'm, I'm not trying to have some kind of glory, uh, you know, egotistical thing that I'm so smart or anything. You know, I, I even know some people don't even like me. I, could, I don't know why they wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not that naive anymore. Anyway, but I'm telling you, it says the angels are an assistance to God and to us. I'm talking about us now tonight. I want to talk about our authority with angels. That's imperative that we get this. So I'm just giving some other thoughts to that. They're an assistance to us. I'm not subject to them. They're subject to me. And if I don't do something about it, nothing will be done in my life. Right. Now, God could choose to send angels in a special setting. He did that one time for me. These two angels came. I'd never seen them before. They said, we've been sent by God to help you turn this situation around. It's a long story. Anyway, eventually they talked me into doing what I should have done when they first came. But they went and changed something for me and changed the whole context of something for me. It was miraculous. But most of the time, the angels that work with you... They're listening to you. The Bible says God's already charged his angels. What would that mean? He spoke to them. He don't have to go back every day and remind them of what they're called to do or what their specific areas of ministry is. With us, I don't know what to say. Believers forget everything every week. 
to me it seems that way a little bit. But what I'm trying to share with you is it's important that we understand angels and their function with us. Let me read verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, we, might, we need to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. And what we're hearing right now is in chapter 1, talking about angels and what they can do for us and with us. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have learned, least at any time we should let them slip. So I'm just going to exhort you for a minute. I know you get excited when I teach about it. At least some of you do. I'm not sure everybody does. <laughs> but if you forget it by the time August is here, you might as well just forget it now. It's really going to do you good if you forget what I said. I do this every day of my life, and I've been doing this since 1980. It's when I first got some revelation about angels, 1980. I'd been saved for nine years at that time. Nobody brought it up in my local church. They didn't know nothing about it. First Baptist. Then I went to a Baptist seminary because that's all I knew. I didn't know nothing about Rhema, Brother Hagen, and that whole bunch. You know, and I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying that's where I came from. Man, I went to seminary, and they just about wrecked me. Because they didn't teach anything that was I considered vital and important. They did, I, did, I did learn, you know, New Testament theology some and Old Testament stuff. and Some of that was helpful, but most of it didn't count for much when I got in real ministry. Are you blaming them? Well, I'm kind of irritated about it, but I've already forgiven them. <laughs> you would be too if you was a preacher. You'd have enough sense to be irritated at people that are trying to teach you something and they're ignorant themselves. Yeah. Now, this, uh, <clears throat> well, I, I was going to say something here. Let me just move on with it. We're going to talk about authority here. So don't let these things slip. Go back to uh, the book of uh, Psalms. Go back to Psalm 8 with me. We're going to take maybe not every verse we have here, but several to show you and confirm to you that the believer in Jesus has tremendous authority. And uh, I don't know why sometimes in some passages, like the one I'm going to show you, they didn't translate that word correctly. And so it, I don't know if they were intimidated. You know, the guy's trying to copy the scriptures or what, but they dismissed it here. And I, I, you can look it up in any concordance it give you the Hebrew word and it'll tell you what I'm going to tell you about it. But start here in Psalm 8 with me in verse, uh, verse 4. He says, what is man? He's talking about the race of man, not male, just man, the race of man. You know, if a wild tiger run through here, you wouldn't be caring, care if it's a male or female. You'd just be screaming and running. <laughs> How many get that? Yeah. All right. So when he says man, he's talking about the mankind, male and female make up the man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him, the man, a little lower, wait a minute, no, hast uh, lower than the angels, made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion. This is really what I'm talking to you about right now, dominion or authority. I think dominion's a better word, but anyway. Uh, dominion over the works of his hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. So even if you were the mole on the left little toe underneath, you still got as much authority as the head has because we're all one body in Christ. You got to be thinking that. <clears throat> so, but what I want to show you is right here, thou made him a little lower than the angels. That word there is not angels. It's the word for Elohim, which means the plural of God. Back in the beginning, like Genesis one twenty six, they said, let us... Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, make man in our image. 
and let them have what? Dominion. Yeah. Authority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we really should be translated this way. I took liberty to write out what I, as I studied it in the Hebrew, it really would read like this. Thou made man just a shade lower than God. I'm not God, but I'm in his family and I'm endowed with his authority. And Jesus is too. He said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth in Matthew 28. Then if you put that with Mark 16, there go forth and preach the gospel to every person. And cast out devils and, you know, raise the dead and do different things. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So what we're trying to show you is he just made man a shade lower than himself. You have a tremendous amount of authority. And the thing is, we must teach the scriptural reality of this because you can't act on what you don't know. You can't do that. You don't do that with anything in your life. You don't know to do with a, with a hammer. You better stay with it. You'll bust your fingers. You have to be skillful, don't you? Any kind of trade. So what we're saying is here, man has been put in a level of dominion. I'm going to read this again, this one verse, and then we're going to go to some other passages. It said, he crowned us with, with glory and honor. Thou madest him the man, male and female, to have dominion over the works of God's hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Because Jesus is the head of the body in the new covenant, but we're the body. You know, he can't do anything without us. You know, I don't know if you realize what I'm saying. I doubt you do, but... God is not an authority down here. He already put it all in order once and gave it to Adam. Adam's the one that jacked this thing around. And Eve. You know, let's not, don't blame him all totally. But, you know, the devil tricked him into thinking God was holding out on him. But he's put all that in order. And until he, the lease is up on the earth, it's, the devil is here and, and he's in charge, not of my life or your life if you belong to Jesus. You come, you come out of darkness into the light. But what I'm trying to show you is, you know, God's not in control down there. If he is, he sure got it in a mess. I wouldn't serve him for one minute if I thought he was in charge of all the ugliness in humanity. Somebody asked me one time, how many different devils are there? As much as weirdness is in humanity. And I've seen a lot of weirdness in humans. I'm just being honest. Not you, of course, but somebody that you know probably is a little weird. All right. So we've got to teach it because you can't act on what you don't know. And then the problem becomes if you know something and then you won't act on it, shame on you. You know, Jesus can't help you and I can't either if you don't listen to what I'm teaching and get your head around it, get your heart around it. I like what Pastor Mark said, you've got to get out of your head and into your heart. These things are harder on people that are heady. They're really, they're really just, it's just the revelation of the Bible is what I'm teaching. Now I'm just taking you through some passages to show you what kind of level of authority he gave you, what Jesus gave you. So let, let's go over here to Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> excuse me, Romans 8. Can you pull up a scripture back there if I ask you to in the Amplified Classic? Would you please roll up there uh, chapter 8 of Romans and verse 16 and 17, and let's look at it uh, just a minute, it'll take them a minute to find that, but I'd like you to do that for me. Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. Because there's a little phrase in the Amplified that's really powerful. I can read the one on the back. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. Something happens on the inside of you when you give your life to Jesus. 
And even though people act like, are you sure you're saved? Yeah, I never doubted my salvation a moment. Once I got committed to God down here and really said to him, I want you to come into my life and help me. My goodness, I need help. All right, then the next verse. Uh, oh, that you already got it. And if we are his children, watch this, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And this is the big one right here, sharing his inheritance with him. God is sharing his inheritance with me and you. So whatever he gets, we get. We're just in a different planet. We're on earth and he's in heaven. I mean, he's in us, in the believer. You know what I'm saying. But he, is, he lives in heaven. All right. We're led of the spirit. We're not led by visions anyway, but I have them. And if there's biblical, I take them and learn something from them. I don't know if you realize that God can do that some people's life. I didn't ask for it. But I, I didn't try to reject it either. Because it's been a big help to me. Then God told me to start sharing it with you, and I didn't want to do that. Because I thought it was too holy. I thought it was too precious. And I meant that in sincerity. But he says, either that or else, Michael. I said, I'd love to do it for you. <laughs> and I told you why I said that. I've tried to not do some things he said. It always gets me in trouble. So it, it's not that I'm being rebellious, but I am in an essence here. I want you to see that. Because I felt like to get up in front of total strangers, many of you I don't really know well. I just barely know Mark and Dona. And a few other people on the planet, really know them, know them. Like this couple here, they've been with me 44 years. Never had an argument with them, never fell out with them. I don't think they fell out with me. I mean, they'd have a right to probably, some of my shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, you know what shenanigans mean if you don't ask somebody when you get in the parking lot? Yeah. So we're sharing his inheritance with him. He's raised us. Now listen to me. This part of he's raised up to sit at his place at the right hand of the Father, and he raised us up with him. Yeah. I told you about that vision. I'm going to repeat it one more time because I'm not sure you heard me. I saw Jesus' head in a seat, just like a seat you're sitting in facing me. It's a little mini vision. took about 30 seconds. He said, Michael, what's wrong with this picture? I said, well, where's your body? Of course, I preached that we're in him. But in my mind, because it says we're raised to sit with him, I'm trying to think, how many chairs would it take to put us all there? And he said, this is the thing you need to say to the people. They're seated with me because if every believer was a cell in my body to make up total me, Jesus, had, but they're sitting right in the same seat he's in. Yeah. See, that's a spiritual operation. Yeah. And that, that little vision helped me clarify it. And I think if people listen to me, it helped clarify it for them. Yeah. You're in Christ, and I'm in Christ. You know what I'm saying. And I wasn't sitting below him because he'd raised me to sit with him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't compromise the word because you can't figure it out. Just say you're seated with him. But that little vision, that little mini vision took about 30 seconds, maybe 40. Changed. It just showed me in a vision form what I'd always been saying for 30 years now. That I'm in him and he's in me and I'm seated with him. I know I'm standing on the planet, but my spiritual position in Christ and yours too is in him. And we'll get to a little more definition of that in a minute. So we're sharing his inheritance with us. Now let's go over here to 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> and, you know, here's the right way to think about what we're doing. Do we have to look up all those scriptures? No, you get to. Amen. If you're thinking, do we have to? No, you can go sit in the car if you want. I mean, it's your call. I don't care. Which, I mean, I'm trying to help you, but if you don't want it, that's fine. 
But I think we need to think we get to look these things up. <clears throat> I'm just trying to look for truth in the Word. You know what I mean. I'm not a vicious person. But when I've been in people, in, in the, in, and I love the Baptist, they'll get a mosquito saved if he'll just lay still for a minute. <laughs> I was a drug addict and a drug dealer when I got saved in a Baptist church. And I was thankful, and I'm going to forever be faithful to them and thankful that a man was preaching the gospel. As he knew it, but still, I needed Jesus personally, and I didn't have him. So, you know, I responded to his, his altar call and came forward. And so, you know, I got saved in 71. I figured today in the shower, I've been saved 52 years. I've been in full-time ministry, 45, coming up on 46 in August. I'm starting the 46th year. Anyway, let me read this. The last couple words of, of chapter 3 of 1 Peter and then I'll read verse 22 too. We're not talking really about what he's talking about in verse 21. But he says, of Jesus Christ, who, he's talking about Jesus, is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels, plural, and authorities, plural, and powers, plural, being made subject unto him. Well, if he's the head and I'm the body, then... Angels, plural, all of them. Authorities, whatever they are, plural. And powers, plural. They're all subjects to me too. Yes. If you're really, really going to believe the Bible, that's what that means. We'd say, well, I, don't, I never thought like that. Well, that's why th you're losing it life. Yeah. We're not talking about bullying people. We're not talking about trying to control anybody. Everybody's going to do whatever they please. I've learned that the hard way. You just do what you want to do. If you don't want to grow up in Christ, you just stay a baby and you'll be beat, the devil beat the tar out of you. I don't know about you, I just know about me. The devil's afraid of me. Amen. I'm not being a smart aleck. I just know I know my authority in Christ. Amen. You want to bring it, bring it. I'm going to shove it down your throat Amen. to the devil. Yeah, I told you my story about Big Mouth, didn't I? Anybody not heard my story about Big Mouth? Okay, I'm going to share it for those that hadn't heard it. I was in the Navy, 1969 through about, uh, I don't know, I was only there about a, about a year, maybe not that long. Anyway, I got on drugs in there and got addicted. It's a big mess. But in the barracks in basic boot camp, we had a guy in our barracks. There's about 60 of us guys. We're normally 18, 19, 20. And we had, another, we had a, a guy in our barracks that was a bully. He was a big guy, too. He was kind of intimidating. He was real thick, and he was tall, and he had a lot of muscles. But he was always smarting off to this kid in the same barracks that I was at, who had a big head. He had a water head. I'd never been around somebody like that. He wasn't unintelligent. I'm not saying that. But his head was about one and a half times the size of all of our heads. And he felt very insecure about that. And I understand that if you look different, people are going to ridicule you. And Big Mouth, that's what I'm calling him. I don't know what his real name was, but you'll never forget this. If you get it, you'll figure out how to handle the devil. Yeah. And he kept taunting this boy. And I like this guy. I talked to, I talked to everybody that I wanted to talk. How many listen? I'm not in, start, trying to start fights with people. But he had just said something to that kid in the barracks when I was laying on the rack, they called it. You know, it had bunk beds. And I think I was on the bottom of that bed, and I heard him say something to that boy, that boy with the big head, something derogatory. He should not be talking like that. And he'd been doing that for several weeks, and I just had all I was going to take. I don't know if you know, understand what I'm saying. You know, you need to be able to get mad about the right things. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying to start a fight, but I was going to 
So I just jumped off the bed, and I was down here at this end of the barracks, and he was down there where the sound booth is. And I said, hey, big mouth. He turned around and looked at me. If looks could have killed, I'd be dead. And he went, you talking to me? I'm talking to you, big mouth. You better listen up. If I hear you say anything else to this boy derogatory, I will jump you out. I will bite you. I will kick you. I will bust you up. And you may win the fight, but you're going to be sorry you ever fooled with me. And if I'm in the, the, the uh, cafeteria, I'm going to stick a fork in your neck. I will jump the tables and stick a fork in your neck. Buddy, how do you like that? He, just, he was in shock that anybody would talk to him like that. I said, what's it going to be, big mouth? You're such a big mouth around here to bully all the guys that don't want to fool with you. I'm telling you, you're going to stop that or I'm taking you on. If you, want to, if you don't answer me in the next three minutes, I'm going to attack you right in the barracks. And he, he's got a little bully gang. You know, bullies got a little gang that run with them. So they jumped off their beds, and there's five of them down there now. And I'm thinking, well, it's just one of me. I'm going to have to really get it on. <laughs> and I heard some disturbance behind me. And three or four guys jumped off the bed behind me. We were behind me. I said, praise God, we got it going on now. <laughs> That's how I felt. I had a little support. But you understand, I was just, he'd push my... My mother, my mother, God bless her, she would always talk to me about, you know, you don't uh, have any feeling towards anybody because they're, they're not real educated or they are real educated or they don't have much money or they have a lot of money or they're a certain color or a certain background. You treat everybody the same, Michael. And you take up for people that won't take up for themselves. And I just felt it was my job to do that then. And you, you couldn't hardly talk to me rationally. I was out there. I think he saw fire shooting out of my eyes. And I said, what's it going to be, big mouth? I'm going to give you another minute, and I'm going to come at you. So get ready. Unless you're going to, and you're going to say to everybody that's in this barracks, not everybody was there, but most of us were. There was probably 60 altogether, but maybe there was 40 of us in there. And everybody else was in shock that I was taking them on, I think. <laughs> I, what's it going to be, big mouth? I just run it, grinded it in him. I said, I'll tell you, if we're out marching on the... The, you know, where you do that stuff, I will break rank, I will find you in the group where you're at walking, I will hurt you. I don't care if they kick me out of the Navy, I'm going to put it on you. I've had your smart aleckness towards this boy. Now what's it going to be? I want you, can you talk? Big mouth, you're always talking about your stuff. And finally he said, I said, I want you to say it out loud so the rest of them can hear this. Yeah, I'm talking to you, big mouth. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. I said, well, then either say it or shut up and let's just get it on right now. Okay, I promise I won't say anything else to him. The rest of the time we're here. I said, and if you break that commitment that you just said, remember the fork in your neck. <laughs> People like that just, they, you know, you have to be in a position. And I, think, I mean, you have to have known me back then. I think I'm pretty sanctified now, but some people still push from. I try not to do that to elders and all that, you know. I'm not fabricating it, though. That's just the way it was. And I just had all I was going to take, and I just told him, I'm not going to put up with you. Pick on somebody your own size. And anyway, so he said that verbally, so we didn't hear no more out of him. He didn't do anything, or I would have attacked him on the parade ground or, or the cafeteria or wherever we went, you know. 
Didn't care if I got to eat. I'm just going to get that fork in him. <clears throat> All right. I'm, but I told you that to say something. I, I told that in Fremont, Nebraska. Your pastors were with me when I told that. And they asked one of the girls in the church. Uh, I think she works there in the church. Young lady, probably 30. She got up. The pastor asked her to take the offering for me one night and introduce me. And she did. She said, Dr. Jacobs, I will never forget Big Mouth. Because when I got done, I said, this is the way you have to get, you have to be adamant against the devil, or he'll just keep pushing you. <laughs> and if you won't talk back to him and you won't stop him, he'll just run right over top of you. <laughs> so that, I compared that to that because that's the way we have to think. Because the devil, he, you, I'm just shocked at preachers. I've had them talk to me. Some of them say, you want to come to our church and preach? Yeah, I'd love to. What, would you, what, what are you thinking about? You You want to preach something special? I said, how about delivering? Uh, well, uh, I don't think I want that. You got anything else? I got a lot else. But my problem is, why are you afraid of the devil? Like I'm going to come in there and tear your church up. Even all my friends I knew back in the day when I first started learning about the devil, they said, you're going to tear your ministry up. I said, isn't that something? Jesus must have been really stupid. He didn't tear his ministry up. I think the church is bigger now than it's ever been, numerically. I'm not sure everybody's caught up to any kind of maturity, but they're sure in there, wherever they're at. You know what I mean? No, I'm just talking to you here. So angels, authorities, and powers are subject to us. You have to believe that it's not about how you're built or how much you're smart or not smart. You can be a spiritual person. You don't have to be smart. You just need to be spiritual. Sometimes people are really endowed when they're really smart and spiritual. But you've got to believe God down here. You can't believe out of your head. That's what throws us this, this time in, in God's life on the earth. People are so heady about everything. You know, we've made all kinds of sin just plausible on a phone. <laughs> you can look up anything you want and get anything you want. That's pretty bad. Anyway, so we're talking about our authority. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. You still with me? Yes. And I'm not trying to be a big shot when I said things like that. I'm just uh, 1 Corinthians 13. But I just had all I was going to take. And sometimes, you know, I just got beside myself with him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Let me find my reference. Verse 11. I want to read that to you. Because I'm talking about we're sharing his inheritance with us. But we grow up, you know, we have parents. Many of them are good people, godly. Many of them were moral. Many of them were ethical. But when it came to spiritual things, depends on how the church you went to, what you're going to really learn. And sometimes the preachers didn't know anything. I mean, I went to church, you know, when I got saved in 71, I went there until I get, went to seminary in 76. And I loved my pastor. He was a good man, very solid person. But he didn't teach anything like what we teach today. I don't think he knew it. Or he didn't want to deal with it. You don't get persecuted because he's a Baptist teaching speaking in tongues. They didn't pray for anybody that was sick. And if they did, they weren't even honest with themselves. They'd say, heal this guy if it's your will. But they didn't say at the end of that, why don't you just owe up, buddy, and say, and go ahead and die if, he, if it's not his will. Because that's what he's implying. Yeah. It's always God's will to heal. You've got to settle that in your own heart and mind if you want to be healed in the planet. You might get a break from somebody like me or Pastor Mark or Donna, have a gift in them that gets you healed. That's great. And God uses us to do that for people that are not up to snuff. Amen. But eventually you've got to believe God yourself. <laughs> I taught my kids to do that when they were 13. I set them on the couch one at a time. My daughter's older. 
and said, honey, I've carried you thus far in life. You're only 13. But you know, you get about 20, 21. I could agree with you the rest of my life as long as you live right and I live right. But I can't carry you the rest of your life, honey. You got to get out of that thinking. I will help you the best I can. But I'm not going to do all you're believing for you. God wouldn't let me do that. If he let me do that, I'd done it for all the people in the church that rebelled against God and I tried to get them healed and I didn't make it because they were acting up. Okay, thank you so much. Anyway, I, I, I'm not shooting this over your head. I'm being honest. This is something you have to think about and you're going to have to pay attention to not just this one session with me. I didn't say follow me around. I said either, you know, I have a little book, a mini book there, a little blue one, the authority of the believer. And in my angel book that there, there's authority on authority of the believer in that. And the deliverance book, there's a chapter on authority of the believer. Because if you don't know you have authority, no matter, I can teach you everything I know about angels, but you won't do anything yeah. unless you realize you have authority. And God is expecting you to use the authority he gave you. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, you didn't earn it. I don't, somehow humanity thinks, well, I deserve this. You don't deserve anything. What's the matter with you? I don't deserve anything. I want what he's offering. And I figured him out after a little while. Jesus, he wants to give me everything he's got. Now, that doesn't, I'm not saying that you can live any way you want, do anything you want, and then run to him when you get a bad report from the doctor. You might get away with that a few times, but eventually God will call you to task. Hey, why didn't you get in the Bible? That's my word to you, you know, the Bible. All right, I, I'm kind of fired up about big mouth right now. I'm just cooling off. Now, I was not a very nice person when I was a drug addict, and, you know, the drugs made me that way and whatever. But I'm, I repented for all that, and God set me as I was and straightened me out. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I think this is, pertains to what we're talking about. When I was a child, or we would, I would say it this way, when I was immature, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, or I like to say it this way, when I became mature, I put away childish things. So, you know, we're, we're growing up, in th and this right here takes you some time. Maybe you have to meditate. Like, I took time to meditate on this for the last 20 years. Not, not months and months at a time, but I, I, took a, I took my time to think about these things and make sure I was teaching correctly. And I based everything I've told you so far on where I've took you in the Bible. Amen. You, you, can't, you can't stay a child when you should have put away some things. So all you got to do is ask God to help you and he'll help you grow up. He helps me grow up. I'm not saying I'm perfected yet. I'm not saying that either. Not perfected, but I'm learning some things. These things come by thought and come by repetition, come by looking thoroughly at the scriptures and realizing that you have some responsibility. This verse 11 says to me, you take your responsibility and your inheritance seriously and you'll put away things that are unimportant. It's not that there's a lot, I, let me say it to you different. I could still do a lot of things that aren't evil, but I don't have time to do that and do what my ministry requires of me. I travel full time. I don't know if you know what that means. I'm with you this week. We've had five services. I drive home tomorrow. I got the rest of tomorrow and Friday. I got stuff to do there. Then I get on a plane early Saturday and fly to Fresno, California. I do 10 days of meetings in three churches out there. I'm not bragging, I'm just talking. Then I'm 10 days on the road in three different hotels probably. 
you know, and then I get on a plane, come back home. So I don't have time to do anything else hardly other than just take care of myself and think right and pray and fast and be with God in my room and talk to him about things and talk to him about what I'm going to do at the service and what he wants done. All right. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 here. I'm just about at halfway mark here, but a couple other things I need to show you. 1 John 4 and 17, I think it is. Yeah, 1 John 4 17. I'm talking about our authority and our position. In Christ. Herein is our love, 1 John 4 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The word judgment could be better translated crisis. Because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, he's been raised to sit far above all those powers and authorities and stuff, too. And I'm going to show you, you're seated with him. But this says, because as he is currently, so are we currently in this world. And he's not living in a world of devils up there. There's no devils in heaven. I mean, in the planet heaven where God lives. And, you know, people that we loved went on there now, and they live there with him. My wife is there, and others that I love dearly, and different people. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, he's, he's a conqueror. He's more than a conqueror. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So when I think about him, I identify with that and say, well, I'm more than a conqueror, too. Because as he is, so am I in this world. All right, let's go back to Ephesians now, just for a few minutes. I'm just about done to the first half of my message. Would not blame Big Mouth for taking extra time, but. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Is this okay? Yeah. I just wanted to give you plenty of scriptures to show you that I'm not some pipe dream in my head, that this is real, but you have, you're going to have to take some time. You know, let me say to you this way. I did a book on impartations. You right now, you are, you are, everybody in this building and me too, and everybody, you're a, you're a composite of all the impartations you've received your entire life. That's your parents, your grandparents, the people you knew or did, you didn't know well at school, who you ran with, what you let yourself watch on TV, what movies you went to, what books you read, what kind of silliness you got into or violence you got into or goofball stuff you got into talking to me primarily right now, but I think you could fit in some of theirs too. You've got to get your mind renewed to this. This is what we really are now that we're in Christ. And I don't know why humanity is so beat up about stuff. I'm trying to tell them what they have in Christ, they just look at me like, uh, uh, like I'm giving them a herniated brain. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you see where you're really at in Christ. And you do that, it'll make you where you're, you're fearless. I'm not trying to be a bully to people when I don't control people. That's, that's demonic. But I know my authority to deal with devils that try to use people against me. And I don't get on the internet to find out what you think about me or anybody else. I'm not moved by their cheers or their jeers. You know, some of you don't like me, that's fine with me. I like you, I haven't got anything against you. But if you don't like me when I'm done, I'm still gonna take my check and go home. How about that? No, I'm not being a smart dog. I'm being honest. And you didn't even appreciate it. Except these people on the front kind of got with me. 
Okay, Ephesians 2. Let's look at this quick. Verse 5 and 6. And then we'll go to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Even when we were dead in sins, we weren't physically dead. Spiritually, we were dead to God. And we were dead in our sins. Hath quickened, that just means made alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is all God's work. He, he's the one that quickened us. He's the one that raised us up. I didn't ask him to do it, but he did it anyway. To sit with him in heavenly places. Then we go to chapter 1 and we see where these places are. Look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in, the, uh, in that which is to come. And here it is. And hath put all things, like we read in Psalms, put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And would you do me a favor at the sound booth? Would you put up Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 20? Let me see here. I think it's first. Put up uh, 21, 22, and 23 if you could, and I'm going to read it to everybody. There's a little phrase in here that's meaningful to us in our study about being in Christ. Yes, the Amplified Classic, if you have it. <coughs> Far above all rule and authority, this is where he's seated, and we're seated with him from chapter 2. It says he raised us up to sit with him, not below him, yeah. with him, yeah. not above him, but with him, not beside him, but with him. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in that same seat of authority at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. That's where Jesus is seated. He made us to fit in him and made us to be seated with him there. There's only one place higher than I know, and that's God the Father. Yeah. Anyway, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, we're above every other dominion. Yeah. I think people ask me, what's the biggest denomination in your city? I said, that's easy, basketball. <laughs> people are basketball nuts where I live. This is Indiana, right? Yeah. Yeah. IU people. <laughs> or your Kentucky people. I don't know what you are, but I, I don't do, I'm, I'm a God people. I don't mind watching a ball game occasionally, but I'm not glued to my TV about sports. I'm not, everybody's carried away with something. I'm just carried away with my Bible. Yes. What do you do for fun? I pray in tongues. <laughs> I told a doctor that one time, he said, man, you are type A plus personality. <laughs> I, thank you. I, a, I like the A. I'm not, I'm not a B or a C. <laughs> he was saying it kind of didn't insult me, I think. Or, but anyway, I didn't pay no attention to him. Anyway, and so we, it says in every name that's named, I mean, leukemia is a name. Yeah. Dementia is a name. Yeah. Whatever the other thing it gets with dementia, Alzheimer's is a name. Whatever it is that the, that the doctors say has a name, we're seated with him and above every other name on the planet. The name of Jesus is higher than any of that. And now go to verse 22 for me. Thank you so much. And he hath put all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and since we're in the body, we're in the feet, yes. or some other part of the body. But see, the, even the feet's got, it's seated with him. Yes. 
and, and, and appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church. This is it right here. A headship exercise throughout the church. It's the authority of the headship, which is Jesus, but it's the same authorities leveled out in the whole church. I don't have any more authority than anybody else. I, I maybe use it better than most people because I don't, I don't meet too many two people like me. I'm not bragging about anything. I'm just saying I've renewed my mind to this for a long time. And you know, there's not too many people agree with you when you get like that. Like some of my church members. Man, I don't know what's wrong with them. Every church I pastor. You wait till your kids get to be teenagers. You'll see what it's like. I said, no, I'm going to see what it's like. How about putting what you need to put in your kids so when they get older, they won't take off. I mean, geographically, they could move away. I'm not going to keep them. But they're going to be love God like I do because I put something in them. And my wife did too. Kids are not supposed to run any home. I told you about that girl, 14, having sex with boys and doing dope. And the parents had her committed to a mental hospital in Louisville. I went to pray for her. I told them I'd pray for them if they cooperate with me. If he didn't, then just forget it. I said, you two going to agree with me and be there when I cast the devil out of her? Oh, yeah. You're not going to argue with me about it? No. I said, okay, then I'll come. And I got in there. Of course, she ran to the farthest corner of the room and started whimpering like a little puppy. He's 14 years old. I said, let's go, Dad. And he gripped my arm. I said, what's up? And I just looked at him. I knew what he was going to do. You've been thinking, hadn't you? You and your wife here. Why don't you tell me about it? I was already on edge with him. Well, we decided we didn't want your help. You don't want my help. So you're going to leave your daughter, who's already experienced too tremendously for a young person that's fleshly, two things that would make them want to do that over and over and over and over and over again. And she's only 14. She has no perception of what may come out of that, like babies and disease and or getting me a real drug addict like I was. And you just going to leave her in this hospital and take care of that? They're not going to cancel any devil out of her, I can guarantee it. They're going to give her meds. And I said, you people belong in here, you and your wife. And if I leave through this door, don't ever call me. I'm not coming back for you. I, I said I would come and help you. You asked for my help. I gave you my help. And I think you two are nutty. Yeah. Amen. I didn't say she couldn't stay in here for a while, but you asked for my help spiritually, and I can get that devil off of her in about five seconds. But you're going to have to listen to me as parents, and I told you that when I said I would come if you'd guarantee to do that. You've got to be the parent. The 14-year-old girl, these people were educated. They talked well and all that, went to college, but they're nutty. Yeah. I said, you people are pathetic. I, I'm sorry that I came. I said, I loved your daughter, just wanted to help her. But when you ask me, you act real contrite with me. We hear you cast out devils. wonder why I didn't go to some other church that didn't call the pastor, because they don't teach it. Yeah. Somebody met in my church, the couple they met, they'd only been with me a month. Said, well, we talked to somebody. They said, you cast out devils. I said, not out of everybody, but I do if I see one in need to cast it out. Why, what's the matter? Well, my daughter, da, da, da. So I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to leave her like a founder. But you are going to pay a, you're going to pay a big expensive price for this. I'm going to remind you that if I ever see you again. You might as well stay away from my church. I don't want you in there. You're on your own, brother, sister. I'm sorry that... I'm sorry to her that she had parents like that. Anyway, I just walked away. That's all I could do. I could get the devil off of her, but they're going to leave her there. 
and not do anything spiritual for her. I'm not down on the doctors and nurses. Many people are very committed in the medical field, especially with mental health. And if you don't know it yet, the world is in a mental health crisis. Not just America, all over the world. There's billions and billions and billions of dollars that farmer makes available to you. They were going to put me in jail just because I sold some drugs back in the 70s. And then farmer's making all this big money. Nobody's even challenging it. Anyway, I'll just go on with my good self here. Hang on. Uh, maybe there's one more scripture I want to tell you about before we go to the second part of this. Is that okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And, um, you know, this is just how I study. I, I'm sorry if I sound a little belligerent. I'm not trying to be. But, you know, when it comes to the devil, I, I mean, I try to give him a rough time. If he shows up. Because he sure rubbed my nose in it a lot when I was, didn't know anything about him. But here, I was, in a, I was in a meeting in Evansville about 25 years ago. And uh, I was meditating on this scripture in 1 Corinthians 6. And it first starts out, don't take your brother and sister to court. Because uh, he said, do you know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Then it says, know ye not that you, we, shall, we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life. So I was meditating on that in my hotel room one day. And the Lord, when he asked me a question, I know he's going to teach me something if I pay attention. And I said, Lord, that seems like there's some revelation in that verse 3 that I need to teach on and help people to understand. And he asked me this question, Michael, will you have any more spiritual authority when you come to heaven than you have now? And I didn't say anything. I just said, let me think about it a minute. No. I have all authority that you can give me right now if I take advantage of it. Is that right? Yep, you're right. So then... You could use this scripture, it probably is for a time in the future that we might judge angels, but according to what you're saying, I could judge them now. And he said, you, you could, you already are judging them every day you live, Michael. This is what he said to me. Are you listening? He said, you've been in court before. He knows me, you know. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was in a lot of trouble. When you stand before a judge, I wrote it down, and he or she has authority over you, so they're elevated in the room, even in the natural, because they represent authority, here it is, to release you or confine you. And when he said that, I just exploded on the inside of me. And that's what we do every day with our angels. If we say, I don't believe that stuff Dr. Jacobs teaches about angels. Do you? Well, you just made a bad decision because... You put yourself outside of that. And here's the thing. When you say stuff like that, you can find all the angels that have been sent to help you. They're not going to work for you when you talk like that about them. You didn't say any scriptures for it. And I know you're not going to find any because I already looked. You can go ahead and try to. If you find one, write me. But see, he said, am I going to have any more spiritual authority when I get to heaven? I said, I don't think so. Not spiritual authority. I might have natural where I could walk through the wall like an angel because my body could, and it's too technical to talk to you about. But anyway, <laughs> he says you're doing that every day you live right now. When you, when you won't let them be released to help you and you say you don't believe in it, that shuts all their ministry down to you because they don't, they don't respond to unbelief. They don't respond to fear. They don't respond to strife. If you're in strife all the time, they're not going to work with you. 
I got a chapter in my book, a little small chapter, Angels in Divine Order. And that's where I learned that. If, you, if your life is in chaos, you might as well forget it. You're going to have to work on getting it in order. You know? I hope you're listening to me. You're the judge in the affairs of your life, and the angels are underneath you in a structure of authority, and they work for you if you'll talk right to them from the scriptures. I get up every day and say, Father, thank you for the angels today that have charge over me and my family. I pray for my children, my grandchildren, of course. And I say, I plead the blood of Jesus over all of us, and I release our angels to defend us today, accompany us today, and keep us safe from all injury, harm, or destruction. And I told you guys that were with me, one of the other services where I got that. Do you remember that? Out of Psalm 91, it said, He'll keep thee in all thy ways. To keep there, I looked through definitions, it meant to preserve. I don't think I have it on this paper. No, this is a different message. But anyway, I told you that. He, they keep us safe from all injury, harm, or destruction. So I've been saying that every day for a long time. We need to say things like that. Well, why? Well, because there's nuts out there on the road. Drug addicts, alcoholics, people on meds, pharmaceutical meds, but they're addicts nonetheless. And I'm just telling you, it'd be smart to do that so that you don't have accidents. And Brother Hagin in his book, Health Food, I just read it the other day. I've read that book for 25 years over and over. He said he looked at the Swedish Testament, the Old Testament on Psalm 91, and it said, God will keep you from having accidents. And he said he went back and looked it up in the Hebrew, and it indicated that in the Hebrew. Yeah. Just telling you. So you're judging things every day by the way you talk, by the way you live by what you permit to go on in your life or what you refuse to do in your life. Amen. You know, and if we miss it, just the two things that's kept me on the planet thus long, I'm 73. I'm quick to repent when I miss it. I mean, I, I, I normally don't go over five or 10 minutes if I miss something and I feel convicted. I say, Father, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry I did that. I repent over, I turn from it. And I call my words back if I said something I shouldn't say and things like that, and uh, I'm sorry for that, and I'm going to correct that. And he always says, great. Yeah. He didn't punish me, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes time to learn this, but we're learning it, aren't we? Yeah. Anyway, try, just remember, you have authority over these angels. And, and here, here's the real thing that I think is the clincher, if you just listen to me a minute. Jesus, or Father, put uh, some patterns in these angels, it's called Psalm 91. I wonder what I call that. I'm not a computer tech guy. I'm not a geek. And thank you if you are geeky, be geeky. But don't let that destroy your faith in God. Amen. But a program, like you program a computer, they have software, I think it's called. I don't even have, I have a computer. I never turn it on. I don't even know how to turn it on. But I know you think I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. That's fine. I'll be a dinosaur without you. But just let me be where I'm at, will you? I haven't got time to look on Facebook and text people and ask you if you took a shower and all that, and had a pizza. <laughs> what is the matter with you? What is the matter with your brains? You've got time to ask if somebody took a shower. <laughs> Pathetic. Excuse me for being raw with you, but that's just the way I feel about it. What a loss of my time. I was going to say something here. Got distracted. Programming. So if what Jesus and God said to the angels, according to Psalm 91, was always operative, 
I wouldn't have to teach you a thing. You'd live in divine health. You'd live without any of this. So there's our side of it too. You remember Amos 3 and 3? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? So I need to say to the angels the same thing that God says to them, and I can guarantee what he said to them, the word of God. So when I say, Father, I thank you for the angels, and I say, angels, I release you to fulfill your ministries today in my life, my family's life, my children, my grandchildren. And then I pray over my sons and daughters too. You know, Pastor Mark and Donna, and I have other sons and daughters, and people in my home church, Dale and Arlene. My son pastors there now. I'm praying for him, you know. He's doing a super job. But you have, if it's just automatic because he said something to him, we wouldn't be here preaching it. But that isn't true. Amen. Your life didn't become perfect because Jesus did, God did that for you. You have to get a handle on what I'm talking to you. You have a say-so in this. That's what I'm trying to say. God's looking for somebody that will agree with him, not fight him and combat him. Yeah. You know, I mean, you should know by now that if you watch 6 o'clock news, unless somehow you're a drug person yourself, you know something screwy in humanity when they tell you what happened in this community yesterday. People doing terrible things to each other. People, oh my God, nutty. Yeah, right. Now some of our big cities, the homeless people took it over. Yeah. I, I don't know. Our country's out of control in the natural. Yeah. 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 I'm not out of control. I'm in control with what I'm doing. I'm just trying to stay, stay, in, stay the course. So let, let's talk. Let me shift gears a minute. Let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes. Can anything good come out of Ecclesiastes? Yes. <laughs> Go to chapter 5 with me. And on this part of the message, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit cut to, the chase and, cut to the chase in a minute. What does that clock say? 20, 20 to 8. I'll get you out by 8, maybe sooner. But what I wanted to say to you, what controls the angel's activity? Don't you think about that. I'm going to respond to you right now. What controls their activity? Is there anything I can do to control it? Everything you do is controlling it. Everything you, everything you say and think about, and I'm going to show you that their voice activated. See, I, I was watching TV one day and I flipped through the channels. I normally never watch MTV. That's full of thugs with money and immorality. MTV. Anyway, all things are filled with that anymore, so they're not unique. With trash and dirt and a mess. But the angels are voice activated. I'm talking about your voice to your angels. You don't have any control of the angels that work with me. That's my responsibility. I'm not asking for your help. Now, I'm saying this in the right way. All they need is me to get them activated. God's already spoke to them. He's waiting for me to get in agreement with him that they're spoken to help me, to send to protect us, and help us. All of that. So their voice act. Anyway, I was watching TV, and I used to have a BMW 7 Series, very nice car. I thought the body of Christ kind of liked me until I bought an expensive car, and they hated me for it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding you. I mean, when I spoke in tongues, they thought I was of the devil. When I believed, believed in healing, they thought I was of the devil. When I, I got some money, you'd have thought I just did something horrific. Because people aren't up to snuff. You're not up to par with what, we're, what the Bible teaches that you can have. It's not about the things I have. It's about my life with God that I care about. He don't care what kind of car you drive. You drive a 1975 Pinto if you want. 
But I'm, I've stood it on this channel because the guy's get, just bought a brand new 7 Series just like mine, a black one he's driving off the lot. And these are thugs with money. Hip-hop guys, you know. And, and they're interviewing him, and they took us to his house. He calls it his crib. And he's telling on national TV all the girls, the chicks he's had there. It shows his driveway. He's got a Bentley, a Rolls-Royce, <laughs> several other high-end cars. I mean, a lot more money than what my BMW costs. But they're just showing them like they're really popular and they're really great. Their, their lyrics are trash. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just like they said about the girls. And so he, he gets in the car. Now, in this Evan series that I own, just like the one he bought, it has a single CD player in the middle of the console. You put one tape in, you push a button, it plays. Over here, it's got a six CD changer. You can load it with six CDs, put it in, have to push a button on your steering wheel, and it'll say, how can I help you? And you say, I want tape three, cut four. And it'll find that in that group and play it for you. Yeah. But if you don't do it that way, it's not coming on. Yeah. So he put all this trash music in there. And it's not doing anything. He drives about two blocks. He starts kicking the dash with his feet, and he cussed that car out pretty good. Not near as good as somebody cussed me before, but anyway. <laughs> and that's being a man of God. <laughs> anyway, so he said, turn this car back. I'm going back to talk to the manager. I thought they were going to drag the manager out in the storefront and beat him up or something. I said, you got to read the book, stupid. I yelled at the TV, you got to read the book, stupid. The book for my car was as big as my Bible, but they had a little mini book, a little cheat thing, and it says CD players. You flip that over, this one goes with the middle one, this is how you play this one. Yeah. They, did, they didn't do it, they just thought it automatically going to come on. Yeah. You can't, you have to talk to it to come on. That'd be a good illustration for what I'm teaching. You have to talk to it to come on. You got to talk to the angels to motivate them. I didn't know this when I wrote my book or I'd have put it in there, but words are the fuel they run on. My words, my angels run on my words, a fuel that I give them. I keep them busy. Try to. All right. So their voice activated. All right. We're in Ecclesiastes 5. If you haven't found that yet, just sit still. Let me read verse 1 and 2 to you first. 1 and 2, and then we'll go to 6. Keep thy foot when you go to the house of God. Now, I know this is the Old Testament, but in 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says the house of God is the church. Yeah. Just so you know where I got that scripture at, I'm comparing the scripture in the New Covenant to this. This is the Old Covenant, and I'm going to correct something else when I get down here in a minute. It says, keep your foot when you go to the house of God, or church, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you are upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So he's telling us to judge ourselves in what way we talk, and maybe pull some things in where we've been loose talking. Verse 6 says, Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel. Now, where is this taking place? I just told you, verse 1. Where's, where are they at? The house of God. Or we would say the church. It says, neither say thou before the angel, so the angel must have went to church. That it was an error, wherefore should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Now I'm correcting some thinking here because John John, 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 John 10, 10 hadn't been written yet. And he gives us a dividing line. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when anything gets into my life, my family, my ministry, or anything else that's trying to take from me, or trying to kill it, or trying to destroy it, I know that's not God. I take authority over that immediately. God is not out destroying preachers and killing their kids. But they didn't know that back then. They were ignorant. You know, you have to be taught these things. They had been taught, but they're already got, there's the revelation in it that angels go to church. I don't know if you realize or not, the angels that you have, if they're assigned to you, they're with you here with us tonight. My angels are all here that work for me. Just talking. So God's concern that we would say something and the angel would hear us say something that wasn't based on the word. Are you listening? Yeah, he wants us to talk right all the time because they're listening. There's a lot of scriptures. You know, I think it's, a, what is it? Just let me talk to you a minute. I think it's Genesis 28. Jacob had a, a dream at night and a ladder set up on the earth went to heaven. He saw the angels ascending and descending, not descending and ascending. He saw them going up and coming back because this is where they live. I'm talking about angels in this planet. They live with us. You know, if I go home, whenever I go home, Unless God comes and takes me while I'm still in my flesh and blood. I, that'd be great too. But anyway, you know, the angels that have been assigned to me, if, if time is still marching on, the angels that work with me down here, they're not, they're not going with me. I don't need them in heaven. Yeah. This is where you need them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I hope you're realizing what I'm saying to you. Yeah. I think sometimes people thought God was just so ignorant. He created a man that I think this is the way they think. Oh, I need somebody to help these guys. I should have thought of that first. He did think of it. He created angels before he put Adam in the garden. Just so you know, I've studied this for 40 years. I've learned something. Men and women need angels to help them in this planet because it's demonically ruled. Not our ruler. They don't rule us because we refuse to tolerate that in our life. As long as you stay close to God, you can do whatever you need to do and accomplish it, and God will bless you and protect you and keep you solid, solid, solid you know. All right. Now, let's go, let's go over here to Daniel uh, in the Old Testament, Daniel 10. And I'm going to read one verse to you, verse 12, when we get over there. So when you read something in the Old Testament about God be angry at your voice and destroy things, that's not our Father. That's not the way He functions. Even under the Old Testament, he wasn't a mean God. <laughs> no, people will say to me when I argue, well, God laid that on Job, didn't he? I said, that's not what your Bible said. Did you ever read Job 2, 7, for verse 2, chapter 2, verse 7? What did it say? The devil struck him with sore boils. Anyway, it's talking to you. God gets the blame for everything, but he didn't do it all. <laughs> you know, he's in character. He's not a lot, of, a lot of people that just play church and you really don't get the real them ever. All right. Daniel 10, verse 11. Uh, this is Daniel, and I think it's the angel Gabriel in this context because you read the whole chapter later. I think it was him that was involved with this. But he said, Then said he unto me, verse 12, Daniel 10, 12, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that, you could, that thou set your heart uh, thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself or humble thyself would be a better translation before thy God. Thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. So the angel himself says he's standing there talking to Daniel because of his words. Yep. The Amplified Bible of that, uh, you can put that up for me if you have it in the classified, Amplified Classic, the chapter 10, Daniel. 
Okay. Well, Father, help get your computer up for him. Not just for my sake, just for future, future reference. But it says the angel said, I've come in response to your words, Daniel. <laughs> I had a lady, I could tell she had a burr under her saddle. You know how some people you could tell they're coming to argue with you? They got their Bible open. I want you to show me where <laughs> it says that. I said, what kind of Bible you got? I got a King Jamie. I said, okay, we're opening it up and reading it aloud. I said, she read it and said, I've come for your words. I said, what do you not understand about that? I don't believe it. I said, well, then I can't help you. You don't believe the Bible. <laughs> What's wrong with you, lady? You just contradicted the Bible. I can't help you. Jesus can't help you. You have to figure it out yourself, I guess. But the angel, his own voice, he said, I'm, I'm not talking to you, Daniel, because of the words I responded back to your words. Now, here's the thing. Somebody smart aleck to me said one time, well, I'm not a prophet, Dr. Jacobs. What does that leave me? And so I went to the Lord. I had two or three people did that to me. I didn't have a good answer. I said, Father, I would like one scripture that settles that. And I could knock them right in the head with, oh, excuse me. I, I'm a nice guy. I could tell them this is their answer because they're trying to trick me. He said, I got just the verse for you. I said, give it to me. Luke 7. You thought I was teasing. I do have a verse for it. Luke 7, 28. He's probably confronted, people who's confronted too, his whole ministry down here with people that didn't know something. Trying to correct him. Who's he think he is? Well, he was the Messiah and is the anointed one. But anyway, I just felt like he needed to show me something to help him. And this is what he gave me, Luke 7, 28. For, for I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, and let me tell you, everybody's been born of a woman. Anybody here not born by a woman, through the womb of a woman, raise that lion hand. <laughs> no, we all came the same way. Among those that are born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Because he's not only born of a woman, he's born of the Spirit. You follow what I'm saying? So when you're born of the Spirit, you come into this, this covenant superior to all the Old Testament prophets. And what authority they had. What They had authority in their day, but we have a better authority. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. We have the name of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, the, the covenant words that we have, especially in the letters or the epistles. Somebody said, are the epistles the apostles' wives? I said, no. <laughs> Do you believe somebody said that to me? Oh, my goodness. Go to school, man. Are the epistles the apostles' wives? I said, no, it's a word for letters like Romans or Corinthians or Ephesians. Those are all epistles. <laughs> it's a wonder we can find the floor in the morning with people thinking like that. I don't know. So what I wanted to say to you about this one man's word on earth brought response. And because you're in a new covenant that's superior to even John the Baptist, he was in that old covenant. He wasn't in the new one. Because Jesus hadn't died yet. There couldn't be a new covenant until he died, paid for the price for it, shed his blood, took it up to heaven, put it on the mercy seat. That makes that new covenant be energized now and alive. If, they, if you take it, then you're in that new covenant. So one man's word on earth. Well, the computer came back. See, I prayed for it, didn't I? Yeah. Now you could look me up one if you would for me. It's in Luke 12 and verse 8 and 9 in the Amplified Classic. Luke 12. 
And I'm going to read it when she pulls it up here. Because this, I'm still talking about what activates the angels. Your words do. Yeah. I mean, even driving up here. I'm not like a beginner with this, but I was in my driveway before I took off. I said, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over me and my vehicle. I release the angels to get me safely to Columbus. And any driving I do up there. And when I get in my car tomorrow morning to go back home, I'll say the same thing. The angels are here to protect me. Well, what about, what about, would you say what about anything? Anything you want to say? I'd say, well, that, the Bible causes that to work when you say that. If you believe it. See, we just got to think right. And if somebody missed it, that didn't mean they're condemned forever. You just missed what you were saying. Maybe you didn't say anything. I say it. I'm also a good questioner. I ask God a lot of questions. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't mind me doing that. Even when sometimes I, he asks me to do something about sharing the visions. I haven't shared much on them here this time at all. But uh, I said, I really don't want to do that. And he said, well, why? And I said, you mean you don't know? You know, don't you? Yeah, I know. I want you, I want you to hear yourself say it. So I told him what I was thinking, but bugged about. He said, well, that's just too bad. It's either that or else. I said, I'll be glad to do it. <laughs> now, what he's trying, not, not bully me into doing this, but see, when I had moments with angels and had uh, comments and uh, discussion, uh, they were holy moments to me. I don't know how you feel about stuff like that. They were, and I felt like they were private between me and God and the angels, and I didn't want to get up before you people. Not that I got anything against you. Any congregation, I'd say the same thing to them. Yeah. Why do you want me to get up in front of people I don't even know, especially when I'm traveling and I've never been to church before? They don't even know. They haven't got me figured out about my hair and my shoes or whatever yet. And I'm going to tell them personal things that I'd had with you. And they're going to critique me. Most of them are going to misjudge that because they don't know me as a person. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it, Father. I love you. He said, well, it's either that or else. I said, okay, I, I volunteer to do it. But see, this is just kind of the way that I think about things. So we're going to read this in Luke here. I tell you, whosoever declares openly, speaking out freely, and confesses that he is my worshiper and acknowledges me, and hold up on the, don't flip it yet for me, please. But me is Jesus. Whoever, go back one verse for me. I'm sorry. Are you still there? And acknowledges me before men. Me is the word. It's the Jesus is the word, isn't he? So when you confess the word, you're confessing Jesus. So it says, whoever acknowledges me, uh, confesses that he's my worshiper. Go ahead now. Thank you. The son of man, that's Jesus, also will declare and confess and acknowledge him, the person who acknowledges God's word verbally, before the angels of God. And Jesus gets in there with us because he's the high priest, listen, of our confession of faith. Yeah. Hebrews 3 and 1. I don't have time to go down there a long prayer with you. But I could say it, but it doesn't mean anything unless he agrees with me. He's still the head of the church. I'm not. Aren't you thrilled that I'm not? I'm glad I am too. I'm not. He can work out all the kinks. He's working kinks out of me sometimes. Yeah. So then go ahead and give me uh, the other one. Yeah, but he who disowns, watch this. He who disowns and denies and rejects and refuses to acknowledge me, the word of God, 
I got that from John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.14. I'm preparing it with this scripture. Who doesn't acknowledge me before men will be disowned and denied and rejected and refused acknowledgement in the presence of the angels of God. See, that's the judgment. People act like, well, I can say whatever I want. You can, but you're going to get judged on this kind of thing. He just told you if you won't acknowledge the word that you're talking to people and you're willing to give your, you know, the word to somebody, uh, and if you won't do that, then he's not going to acknowledge you have the angels that work with you. Yeah. I'm just talking to you here. This is serious. I think you've got to say the right thing. I thank God for him, even if I don't know everything about an angel. You know, some people act like, you must know everything. I don't know, I don't know everything about anything. I know something about this subject. I've studied it 43 years, and I'm not a play with it type of guy on any dimension. I think you know me from the way I talk. I'm not a play with it type of guy. I didn't just take one Bible and two scriptures and try to d define everything there is about angels. I've been studying this 43 years. There's a lot I don't know. But I keep at it because he's still teaching me. And I'm glad I do stay at it. <laughs> I'm not bragging on me. But see, I don't want to end up on that scripture where it says, if you refuse to acknowledge me, I'm going to refuse acknowledging you before the angels of God. And he's still the high priest over this new covenant. That's right. That's right. If he can't agree with what I'm saying, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and you are too. Okay, so let's, let's go real quickly to Psalm 103. I don't, I don't think I need you to pull up anything on that for me, but thank you for your help back there. I'm so glad that you're here with me, the sound people. Uh, go to Psalm 103. And um, it's kind of interesting when I began to study in Hebrews 1.14. I'm over in Psalm 103. I'm going to read a couple of verses and then I'm done tonight. Uh, that, <clears throat> well, praise God. Let me just move ahead here. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember I said the Weymouth translation of Hebrews 1.14 says he uses the angels. He says the angels are a benefit to us. And that means a useful aid or a help. So now we're not near done yet. Let's we'll go to verse 20. It's in the same chapter, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So this tells me the angels, and the reason they're his angels, he created them, but there are angels with us in the earth, and it tells us what gets them moving, that his commandments, is, that do his commandments, hearkening, the angels hearken, under the voice of his word. You take his word, but you know, I like, I like scriptures like over in 2 Timothy. Let me, let me give you a definition. Let me give you a definition of these words first in verse 20, just for a second. The word voice there in verse 20 means to call aloud or to verbalize it. And the word word, which is the last word in Psalm, uh, Psalm 103 verse 20, means the spoken word. So it's the person who speaks aloud the word or the spoken word. You put a voice to the scriptures and that activates it. See what I'm saying? You put a voice to the scripture. I like 2 Timothy 4 and I know what it says, but if I, if I turn over there right now and I don't speak anymore, that scripture's non-working for me. 2 Timothy 4, let me show it to you, verse 18. And I just opened my Bible to that, but I don't hear a thing. 
I don't hear a thing. Let's see. I've got a hot mic here somewhere. Yeah, but it, it's not speaking to me. It needs a voice to activate itself. And it needs my voice for activating it for me. So I say, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a good scripture. So I found that if I will speak, I give voice to the word. And then Jesus endorses that as the high priest of my confession of faith, because it's the word of faith I'm quoting. The Bible's called the word of faith, not the word of doubt, not the word of fear, not the word of unbelief, but the word of faith. And you just need to be saying, find scriptures like this. Or Psalm 91 is another example. And there's a lot of great examples in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, a calm and well-balanced mind. I take it a step further when I'm talking to my mind and say, Father, I thank you the Holy Ghost regulate the um, hormones that need to work properly in my body. Whatever I have in me as a man, make those things work right and be balanced right in Jesus' name. I talk to my body. I, I, received, I was in the shower and I said, Father, receive your life in every cell of my body right now. The life of God to saturate every cell, every bone, every uh, joint. All my organs are refreshed because you're breathing on me and I'm living in you and I'm living in your word and you're making my body function better than most people my age. I don't think about getting old and decrepit. And if you feel like that, you need to start changing what you're saying. Or if you're having issues, you need to put the word on it. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm not an anti-doctor. I'm not anti-something. I'm not anti-stuff. But you just can't live with doctors all the time either because some of them, are, they don't know what they're doing. Yes. Just like some believers don't know what they're doing, they end up messed up. Amen. They could have learned, but they didn't. But I'm not an anti. And when you know, if you get diagnosed with something serious, you know, and, and they say you got two months to live, it might be smart to have the surgery. Unless you think you can get a hold of God in two months and let him do it. That's fine too. But you ought to be able to judge that in your own discerner, whether you have that kind of ability. And if you don't want to go home early, you just say, Father, I'm going to just live my life out in health and strength. Psalm 92, I didn't read it to you. you go back and look at this later. Psalm 92, verse 14, when you get old, you'll be fat and flourishing. It wasn't talking about my belt size. It's talking about that word fat means filled with oil. Filled with the anointing. When you're old. One translation I looked at different, it said uh, you'll have strong vitality in your body when you get old. Most people don't think old is vitality, they think it's cursed. Because you remember your grandma and your grandpa down at the nursing home. I'm just talking to you here for a minute. You know, if nursing homes were really nursing homes for God, they'd have the best prayer ministry of any people on earth. They got nothing to do but eat and pray. Play checkers, I don't know what all they do down there. Don't sound very encouraging to me. I'd rather just keep living. But you got to work on these things. You understand, I'm not making fun of people because people made a lot of bad decisions in their life. I remember my grandmother, she was wonderful to me. I loved her dearly, my mother's mother. But she had some trials in the marriages. She married these men. And I think she got bitter. She was all deformed when I saw her last, all in a wheelchair. I had to feed her lunch. 
at my house. But she couldn't live alone anymore. She couldn't even function. It was sad. But see, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. I'm going to get you, buddy. You know, I don't know that she said that, but she's just a tough girl. I know her. She loved me. I was her grandson, so she, that, I was safe. But anyway. <laughs> See, tell me some of the things she did. I'm not going to repeat it because she's a tough lady. <laughs> did you get anything tonight? Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.